me, very calmly, Dad, could you please come downstairs? I was like, what's up, my boy? You're supposed to be in bed. He's like, can you come downstairs? Something wrong with Dane. And when I arrived in his room, he was dead still. Eyes closed. His lips and his eyes were blue. I thought my son was dead. And I ran to him and I shook him and I could see, okay, he's having a fit. And I tried to just do whatever I could do. I'd never been trained for this. And he came back. And then the emergency guys came and they settled him. They said his vitals are fine, he's okay. And I went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, how can this happen? This is my little boy, this is my baby. This is, this is um, my little one. And I didn't feel like he justified himself to me because he actually doesn't need to justify anything to me. He is God, I'm not. But he comforted me and he gave us calmness and we, we went through some processes and a couple of days later, I prayed to the Lord. I said, Lord, I need you to show me when this is over. When is this, when is this little season over? And I asked him for a particular thing, to show me a particular thing. And everywhere I went that day, I looked for that thing. It was a rainbow. Everywhere I went, I looked for that rainbow. I asked my kids if they dreamt. I asked Chantel if they dreamt. I think I asked Rian and Esther if they dreamed. I, I was like, Lord, show me this rainbow. No rainbow came. And that night he had a second seizure. And I was sitting with my son in my arms, wondering, what do we do now? We're not on medical aid. We gave up medical aid when we came full time. Where do we go? And we took him and we just went to the medical clinic and we got him seen to and God miraculously provided finances to cover that. And it was a day later, I think, the next day, everywhere I looked, I saw rainbows. Everywhere, on social media, everywhere. There was people that had literally went in another country that had taken a picture of a rainbow and put it on Facebook and was there. And I felt the Lord say to me, Sean, it is done, never again. That's a big statement for you to make in front of all of you because I'm making a promise on behalf of God, but I believe He said it. And if it doesn't, if it happens again, well, we'll deal with it then, but it hasn't happened yet. And as I got before the Lord and I said to him, Lord, what is this? What has come? I believe he said it to me. He said to me, Sean, that what's come for your family is the same spirit that killed Jesus Christ. It's the religious spirit. And I was like, but why? Why would it come? And he said to me, well, look at where you meet. We meet next to a 106 or 110-year-old in here church that is largely largely caught up in religion it's a form of godliness but renouncing all of the power and as we stand and as we worship and as we allow the holy spirit to move we are effectively every single week we are poking a religious spirit that slowly but surely is getting offended and angry and it's pushing back and it came for it's come for us and it's come for our kids. And I can see how it's starting to move throughout the congregation. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Sean, this is something that you need to deal with very decisively. It's not something that can be left. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to look. I thought this would be a preach on another day. But as we've come, hasn't the Lord come this morning and just shuffled our plans a little bit? Rian was supposed to preach. He moved that along. Narina was never supposed to worship. She's got a song. God's moving us and we're trying to move with Him. And in obedience to what I feel the Lord is saying, I felt like He said, I don't just want to break you through. In other words, this soul family. 
I want to break you through, which is all of us. So what I want to do, I'm, I'm flowing literally from the hip here. But what I feel I want to do is there's four things that I identified as I've been doing my studies around what the religious spirit looks like and how it acts. I'm going to mention these. And then afterwards, if you feel like any of these things have been applicable to you in the last 12 months, we're going to repent. And we're going to be done with this thing. Because it might be out there, but it can't be in here. We're going to smash that thing. So one of the things that the religious spirit will do within the life of a church, we've actually dealt with it incidentally, is it's concerned with outside appearances and being seen as holy and righteous. I put my sondag paki on, my best little smile, my hair's nicely gelled, I look very nice, I brushed my teeth, I smell good. And when you greet me, it's, hey, hello, brother, lacquer. But actually, inwardly, inwardly, there's no reality to our relationship with Christ. We don't commune with Him in our quiet times. We don't commune with Him other than a, a prayer request that goes out when the sugar's running low in our jar. We engage with Him on a transactional basis, which is based on what do I get from you, and not what can I give to you. The religious spirit is more worried about what you think about what I say and how I look than you are worried about what God thinks about you and what God has said about you. And what it does is it starts to build a pride into us. You see, because now we have this persona that we need to look like. I can't appear weak. I can't appear vulnerable. I can't appear like I don't have it all together. I'm most the pastor now, man. Pastor Mutmus Rachvies, you've got to know all your stuff. You've got to have the answer to every single theological question that gets put in front of you. I don't have it. And it will block the blessing of God in your life. Why do I say that? Because in James 4, verse 6, it says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You, has there been a time? Let's just go in the last week where you felt the Lord say something to you. He, he, he tweaked you. He provoked you. He, he, he tried to help you into something. Maybe it was to give someone a call or make someone a meal or to smile at someone or to speak to that colleague of yours who's an absolute demon from the pit of hell and God's called you to love him share the gospel with him and you haven't may I suggest that maybe pride has taken part in your heart and you go no 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 and actually what Rian would have preached and I won't give away his stuff but maybe it talks to that the pride in my heart goes no 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 not him not her not them I'm not going to do that maybe husbands and wives this week has been a week where you felt like you married the bride of Satan herself or maybe she's felt she's married Satan himself. And it hasn't been lacquer. And you know you should repent. You know that your actions have been ugly and ungodly. But your pride will not let you bow your knee to the Lord first and then go and make right with your wife or right with your husband or fathers or mothers right with your children. The religious spirit is concerned with outward appearances appearing righteous and holy. The second thing that the 
uh, that the religious spirit will do is that it attempts to earn God's love and attempts to earn salvation. If I'm a community every single Wednesday, and if I'm a church every single Sunday, tick. And when they call us to the front, I'm in the front for worship, tick. And when they ask for prayer, I, put, I send my praying hands on the WhatsApp group. I do all these things and I'm trying to earn God's love. I'm trying to earn it because if I do enough, maybe he'll accept me. If I do enough, maybe I'll be okay with him. It's outward focus. It's focused on what do I do instead of being focused on what did he do. And you know what it does? It builds this pressure. It's like a pressure cooker that's slowly cooking. And it's just getting hotter and hotter and it's getting harder and harder. And your quiet times are becoming absolutely desolate places. Devoid of the Spirit of God. Devoid of the peace of God. Devoid of the presence of God. Because all you can see is what you haven't done. And what you are not able to do. And we start to see the Lord through this lens of a report card. How am I doing? How's my report card this this week, how's my report card today? Can I set you free? Do you want freedom? I want freedom. In Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 9, it says, For it is by grace, by grace that you, through faith, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast we don't serve faithfully to earn God's affirmation we're not faithful in our meetings to earn the pastor's approval in a rubber stamp we do these things out of the glory and the, and the understanding that Jesus did it all for me for free I didn't need to pay he paid <coughs> The bull got put down and he said, I'll take that. He doesn't require your good works, but our good works are a way of showing him that we love him. I didn't make a commitment to my wife and say, I will love and protect you. I will serve you. I will lay my life down for you. And then when the big bad boogeyman knocks in the front door, I go, hey babes, can you handle that? The Lord is able to sustain you. He doesn't need you to get involved. But by the same token, if you love him, you will do what he does. If you love him, you will be where he is. If you love him, you will love what he loves. Amen? So we are not those that attempt to earn God's love and salvation. This one craves a position of honor in the church. The religious spirit loves to be seen. Don't put baby in the corner. I want to be seen. Don't you see what I do for you? Don't you see how every time somebody needs a meal, I'm the first person to put my name on the list. When there's a call to the meeting, I'm the first person to say, yes, I'll be there. When there's worship and there's a time for a mark and someone gets a chance to share a prophetic word, the first person there is me. Yeah, yeah, I've got a word. And the guy goes, thanks so much. Thank you. And the word doesn't come. And all of a sudden that religious spirit goes, well, hold on. Don't you recognize me? Do you know who I am? This word is going to change the course of this church. 
Perhaps this word will change the course of history. It desires a position of honor. It desires to stand here with the mic and speak to you. Let me tell you, you don't want this place. When you stand here, the God puts a mirror in front of your face and says, you first. You first. You want to preach to the people about religion. How about you? How are you doing, Sean? Would you be okay if I took this all away? Would I be okay if, if God came tomorrow, said to the eldership team and said, guys, listen, actually, we don't think you do the right man for this anymore. You've done what you can do. Would I be able to sit here and serve God with a smile on my face and joy in my heart when the very church that I planted is given to somebody else? The religious spirit won't. Hopefully, I would. Philippians 2, verse 3 to 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. You know, the Lord speaks about this banquet table and he says, go sit at the end. Don't try and take the seat of, of honor. Because when someone more important than you arrives, he goes, oh, what are you doing here? Go and sit down at the bottom. He says, take the low place and let God call you up. Am I saying you mustn't bring prophetic words? Absolutely not. Bring them. Be faithful with them. Leave it with us and trust us. Am I not saying you must be diligent and faithful and, and willing to help? Absolutely do that. But don't do it to be seen. If nobody sees the coffee and the tea that you put in the back today, blessed are you. You are blessed, man, because God will reward you for what's done in private. He will reward you publicly. Serve your God without any ambition in your heart to be seen, to be known, to be respected. It is a snare that will kill you. And many people more anointed, more important, and more clever than me have fallen too. And lastly, Lord help us. The religious spirit develops a harsh, judgmental attitude towards others. It becomes very skillful at muttering words of judgment in the believer's life. And this voice will become louder and louder and louder to actually get you to the place where you feel justified. Actually, this is true. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just speaking the truth here. I'm just seeing. And what it actually does is it starts to slowly but surely just isolate us from our brothers and our sisters. Because all I can ever see is what Jenny doesn't do. And very often the religious spirit is not, he's not a single player. He's a team sport. It wants to bring others in. So it starts with holy gossip. I don't, I don't want to say anything about Rian, you know. But yes, I so prefer Sean, eh? Like Sean just so kind and nice and merciful and Rian follows up with me and he asks me where I am when I don't come to meetings and actually, you know what, I prefer Sean. I think Sean's a better elder than him. And we start to develop this and then what happens is we start to get confirmation bias. We start to reinforce this thought in our mind. So everything that Rian says now becomes critic. Everything that he says is meant to hurt you, not to build you up. And after a while, we go like, well, hold on, this is not right. He's an elder, man. 
He's supposed to be above reproach. I better check. I better see if there's somebody else that feels the same way. And let me tell you, birds of a feather flock together. Won't take long. That religious spirit is very good at finding his way through. And I'll go, ooh, hello. I know Nastasha had a bit of a scratch with Rian. Hey, Tash, how do you feel about Rian, eh? I don't say anything. I just, what, what, what's your thoughts? I'm not going to plant in ideas in your mind, but what's your thoughts? And it goes, book. Suddenly we've got some measles spreading it throughout the body. And that religious spirit will break down unity. And what happens when unity goes? Ten points. Anybody? When unity goes, what goes with it? Blessing. When I can break down the relationship between two people, I've cut the blessing on that relationship. It's gone. And then a brother that's offended is like a fortified city. Don't do it. Drop that thing. Drop it. Quick. The Lord is very clear on this. He says, first remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The religious spirit will try to alienate your your fellow Christians from you. Through judgment, through criticism. Am I perfect? Guys, I'll tell you what, let me be the first to say. There is 101 things that you can criticize about me. If you want, I can give you a list. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too gray. I have blue eyes. I don't have brown eyes. I speak English and you're Afrikaans. I like rugby and you like football. You can criticize 101 things, and I'll tell you right, okay, do it. We're going to ask you. We're going to have a look in the mirror first, though, and then you come and have a talk to me. And I'm using myself as an example. I'm, I don't mean whoever it may be. So what I want to ask you is, as I've spoken about being concerned with outside appearances of being righteous and holy, Or you find yourself in this constant loop of trying to earn God's love and salvation through good works. Or you've craved a position of honor in the church. You want to be seen. You want to be respected. You want to be one of the people that when they walk into Josh and Gordon's Bay, they know who you are. Or you feel that you've developed a harsh and judgmental attitude towards others. And it might not necessarily be in this form. It might be your wife or your husband or your child. It comes a lot quicker than you think. Suddenly, her food didn't taste as good anymore. And the bed's not made exactly right. She's always late, never early. She doesn't serve my needs. And we develop this attitude. So I want to ask you, let's just close our eyes. This is a team sport. I didn't preach this for me. I've done this. And actually, in fact, as an eldership team, we've gone through this list and we've repented where there's been areas of it. But I want to ask you this morning, Holy Spirit, come and take away the fluff of Sean, the fluff that I've spoken, and come and be a sword that cuts directly between flesh and bone. To the heart of these things. Lord, we don't want to be those that that are governed and ruled and moved by a religious spirit. We want to be those that are moved and live in accordance to the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Helper, the one that Jesus himself said, it is better for you that I go. Otherwise, he can't come. 
I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister to heart here right now, in this moment. I thank you that what you bring us this morning is a message of hope and not a message of condemnation. That what you bring us is actually freedom. It's it's the start of that wave crashing over us. It's the release of Moses in the basket down the river. It's letting go of what was so that we can walk into what will be. So I want to ask you, if there's any of those four points that you feel has taken root or is a, a default in your life, I'd like to ask, I'd love to beg you to please stand. You don't have to say who it is. You don't have to say what it is. But I want to ask you, let's be done with this thing today. Let's just leave it. Thank you. Thank you. We're not concerned with outward appearances. We're not concerned with earning, the power, earning God's love and salvation. We repent of looking for position, wanting to be recognized. And where we've become harsh and judgmental, we repent. So Father, I thank you for every soul here, for every person who's standing this morning. Even the fact that they're standing flies in the face of the religious spirit. They're not concerned with the outward appearance. They're not concerned with what what people will think, but they are infinitely concerned about your thoughts and your mind towards them. And Father, I pray that this morning we will shift the atmosphere in this church, that we will shift the atmosphere in Gordon's Bay, that we will shift the atmosphere in our own lives from those who are subject to the religious spirit and be those who are led by the Holy Spirit. This morning, Lord, we repent and we renounce it. I wanted to say this with me. Lord Jesus, in the name of your Son, I renounce this religious spirit. I repent and I want nothing to do with it. Religious spirit, I break all ties with you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come again. Come and refresh me. Come and break into my life and come and lead me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. And I just, I just, I want to, I want to ask. You might come here today, you've, you've seen this whole thing go down. You've seen these weird happy people that have come and greeted you. You've seen these people on the stage doing their thing and weird people saying weird things on the mark and And you hear us talking about this Jesus, about this one that died for your sins, the one who has resolved your account, but you've never actually made a commitment to follow him. You've never invited him to become part of your life. And a meeting like this is not a meeting until we've given you an opportunity. You know, all of us, the Bible says that there is none that are righteous, not even one. There's not a single person on the planet that in and of themselves can earn right standing with God. We are vessels of God's wrath. If you've stolen, you've committed sin. If you've thought a bad thought towards a brother or your sister, the Bible says that you've murdered them in your heart. 
If you've looked at a man or a woman with lust in your eyes, the Bible says that you've actually committed adultery with them. If you didn't know it, you are a sinner, desperately, desperately deserving justice. If someone had to walk into my lounge and put a gun to my wife's head and pull the trigger, he would be guilty. And if the judge sat with him and he sat to the judge and he said, but judge, you know what? I've contributed to 20 different charities and I've lived the good life up until this point and, and I've given away cars and houses and I've done all these things. I've done all these good things. I'm a good person. Would I be justified in thinking that that judge was not a good judge if he said, well, based on the balance of the good things that you've done, actually killing her is not a problem so you can go free. Would that be a good judge? He wouldn't. Our sin deserves punishment. God is just righteous. He's a just God. But He doesn't leave us. He sent His only Son. He, he, that, that was sitting in the, in the Trinity, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure there was this discussion, I'm, I'm presupposing, but just go with me, that He actually, they looked and said, we've got a problem, guys. Our created beings that we've created with, with, with free will to choose to love us. We didn't create robots, we chose those. We, we created those that could choose us willingly, have chosen not to. And they've fallen off the bus and we need to do something about it. But you know what? Justice needs to be served. Someone's got to pay. And the son says, I'll go. I'll step out of glory and I'll come and I'll die a horrible death for you, and for you, and for you, and for me. And sin's judgment was met. The punishment was paid. And we who are in Christ, we who say, yes, Lord, I want this gift of salvation. I want this eternal life. I want this freedom from the punishment of my sins. In a moment, we're made righteous. In a moment, we set free. Just a moment. And I want to ask you this morning, if you haven't put your, if you've never made that commitment, I want to offer you the opportunity now. Is there anyone who's never made that commitment to the Lord in their hearts? If you wouldn't mind, just shoot your hand up. And I'm assuming that everybody here knows in their hearts if you walk out of this place and something happens to you, you will be to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you know that in your heart today? If you do, hallelujah. If not, don't let this be your moment. Don't let it pass. Is there anyone? Okay. Then with that, we're going to close the meeting. I want to bless you. And go into this week mindful of the fact that God died for you. He sent His Son to die for you. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that Your Spirit would remain with us, that Your presence would go with us, and that we would be those 
carry it with us wherever we go, like a sweet fragrance. Wherever we go, we would carry your presence with us. And I pray that in this week, Lord, that there would be so many of us that would find breakthrough in the areas that we've been waiting for, that would find breakthrough in the areas that we've been trusting for. Please be with us, Lord. We so need you.